Hey there, welcome to XR Industry Leaders with ArborXR. My name is Brad Scoggin, and I am the CEO and one of three co-founders of ArborXR. We've had the opportunity of working with thousands of companies since 2016. And we've learned a ton about what it takes for XR to be successful in your organization. And I'm Will Stackable, co-founder and CMO. This podcast is all about interviewing the leaders who are on the ground making XR happen today. True pioneers in the space, from Amazon, Walmart, and UPS, to Coke, Pfizer, and beyond to uncover the pitfalls, lessons learned, and secrets that you can use to help grow XR in your organization. All right, well, this week we get to sit down with Amir Koram, uh, the GM of Pico North America. Amir, it's great to have you on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen, for having me. Yeah, and I guess we've we've gotten to know each other over the last year or so uh, since you've been at Pico, but you've been in XR for a while. Uh, we'd love to hear a little bit about your journey into XR and how you've ended up in the current uh, role that you're in. Thanks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people in this space have had unique paths to get to where they, uh, get to where they are today in the XR space. I actually, in this, in this, uh, industry, I actually started off in the software space, um, working for a company that specialized in optics and photonics and was actually kind of the, uh, the default software that a lot of the VR companies use to design their lenses. So pancake lenses, testing light, how those types of um, interactions pass through the headsets. And I spent a few years there, started to get um, introduced and, and understanding the VR and AR space, and uh, eventually got an opportunity to join one of the major hardware companies in, in, uh, the, uh, in the XR space in HTC. I actually spent a great uh, few years there um, working with them and, uh, and, and got a chance to kind of grow the, uh, the enterprise side of the business with the team over at HGC, and then eventually got an opportunity to uh, move over to Pico, which is where I am now and leading the, uh, leading the B2B side here in North America. I love that. And I have, I feel like I'm, I'm a million questions and different ways I want to go. I think sometimes Will and I talk about, we feel like at Arbor, we have a fairly unique perspective on the industry just because where we sit. I think you have a maybe equally um, interesting and unique perspective. Um, maybe start with just, um, you know, I think one of the things we really like about Pico is the commitment to enterprise. And so maybe start there, just kind of how you all have different, differentiated yourself uh, in the enterprise space. Sure, sure. And, and I love having this conversation because I think as, uh, as the awareness for VR grows, both on the consumer and on the enterprise side, it, we, we get asked that a lot. It's like, you know, why is Pico yeah. um, the right solution for, for businesses, for organizations? And, you know, I think it all starts with, the fact that Pico uh, really originated as an enterprise solution, right? Especially in North America, it's always been an enterprise solution. It's not mm -hmm. uh, the type of you know approach that we took where we said, "Hey, let's start with consumer," and then we realized, kind of had that aha moment that organizations can also use this. We built the hardware, the backbone, the ecosystem, and our partnerships with an enterprise-first approach. Um, so, really, everything from our Early, you know, three DOF headsets and the, the G2, G2 4K series to the Neo 3s, and then now today with the Pico 4E, we've always been, um, you know, leading the way here in North America for the enterprise. And I'd say one of the key approaches for us um, has also been, and, and you mentioned this, and this is why I'm really happy to be on this uh, on this, you know, uh, conversation with you guys, is it's really been a partner first approach for us. It's really been about how can Pico. Um, grow, you know, in the market, grow globally, grow in, in various verticals and industries with our partners. Um, you know, we've never tried to go at these things alone. 
So it's been, you know, really looking at how do we grow with Arbor? You know, how do we go and find new opportunities and new ways to solve problems in various industries? Um, you know, how do we collaborate with some of the best, you know, developers in, in, in the industry um, to go deliver solutions in healthcare and education, corporate training, LBE, whatever that is. And so I think taking that partner first approach has also been a real um, emphasis and stamp for, for what we're trying to solve in, in the enterprise. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think it, just the openness too. I mean, I think that was very early on. I think that's what stood out to us and to a lot of our customers was your openness. Uh, I'm curious, you know, it's interesting if, I don't know if anybody would have predicted that um, two of, the, big, two of the, the biggest headset companies would have such close ties to social media companies. It's kind of an interesting way things have played out. So just curious how, how you think about that, like kind of the social media connection, but also, you know, with Meta's recent resurgence, I guess, or, or uh, you know, uh, recommitment to enterprise, um, how you think about that as well? Yeah, it's there's, there's a few different approaches that, or I guess ways we could start that conversation. I think, and I think in Arbor, I think in Pico, we have many mutual customers who have um, bought into their commitments to, to the enterprise and maybe, you know, come away um, a little unhappy with the experience or wondering what happened and why their focus shifted back to consumer. You know, that that's maybe another conversation for another day. But I think your, your point is correct. Um, and, you know, we have... Again, in Pico, being in a unique situation in that, you know, Pico was operating here in North America for almost a decade, really growing a uh, business globally, actually. And, you know, now being part of, you know, ByteDance, I think it's it's given the organization a really exciting um, injection of just like creativity and people and resources that, uh, you know, can help Pico continue to grow and scale and be a really creative and innovative solution in the enterprise. I think it is unique that, um, you know, Quest is, you know, uh, connected to to you know Meta and Facebook and social media and, and you know we're we're part of a really big and exciting company here as well and uh, I, I think it really positions us well for some uh, you know exciting chapters ahead for Pico. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, curious, just from an industry perspective, I think we have, I guess from our perspective, you know, so we've been in VR since 2016 we started an lbe we started back when it was all htc vibes and mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so we've kind of just grown with the industry and saw some early attempts for companies to push make pushes in enterprise or education um you know it really wasn't until the cord got cut that it started becoming you know possible over the last few years but i would say from our perspective in the last 18 months 12 months six months it just it feels like well, it feels like, and what we're observing is there's just a heating up in the enterprise. And I think for we, we use the word enterprise very loosely, right? Like anything that's not consumer pretty much. Right. I'm just curious right. from your perspective. I mean, is that like, what are you seeing? Are you seeing any specific industries that are feeling hotter than others? Yeah, that's a good point. And, and it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the point about kind of the all-encompassing enterprise term, right? Because I always, I always feel bad using the term enterprise in education, right? Because I don't think schools really consider themselves enterprise, but that is kind of how we separate things, right? It's not really a consumer solution. It's really uh, just everything else, right? Business, enterprise, education. I think education is the first one that comes to mind, right? I, I think I think the growth that we're seeing, uh, I, I think the growth that we saw going into the global pandemic was really uh, positive and, and, you know, unique. And, and we're starting to see schools invest in 
technology and, and different ways to teach students. And then I think when the whole world shut down and, you know, all these things started going on, we, we started to see the education vertical specifically really rush to solve how do we continue to teach kids and deliver curriculum and deliver content. And, you know, we all know or all had, uh, you know, grade schoolers trying to stay focused, you know, on Zoom calls for seven hours a day. Not not happening. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and we saw that in, in the corporate world as well. So I'd say education is one that that has really, you know, like a rocket ship really started to grow over the last, you know, two, three years. Um, healthcare is one as well, right? Healthcare is one where, um, you know, for both individual use cases and then also through employers, uh, you know, there's opportunities to really provide mental health, physical health, rehabilitation services in, uh, in you know, in an XR manner, right? Whether it's through VR, AR, and all those different um, you know, solutions. Uh, corporate training has been consistent, right? Corporate training has mm-hmm. been a consistent growth point. You know, organizations that have the budget, that have the time, that have the resources are certainly looking at, um, you know, how to continue to grow, retain, train, and improve, you know, their, uh, their, the, the quality of, of their teams and, and just their knowledge of, you know, what they're doing every day. Um, so I'd say those, those three spaces, right, I think are pretty consistently growing. Um, and, and I see, you know, a, a very bright future there. I think the last one for me, at least would be LBE is, is always an interesting space, right? They were always the early adopters in VR and innovative ways to, to, you know, interact and deliver content. Um, and I think we've seen a resurgence, uh, in LBE as well. Um, you know, a few years out from, uh, from, you know, the, the, the pandemic again, I think there was definitely some retraction and maybe some consolidation. And now we're starting to see, um, some really healthy growth there. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. The LBE days. I, you know, we talk about it a lot. I think one of the things that gets us most excited about XR outside of the consumer space is, I mean, we, we say, you know, it's, it's a learning revolution just, and so learning is training. Learning is even in healthcare, right? Like I think a lot of the healthcare applications are just changing the way you think. Um, but I think it's, it's really powerful and it's really exciting to see what's happening, what's happening across multiple verticals. And I think from our perspective, while maybe, you know, as you said, there are buckets, whether it's education or training that are heating up, like within training, what we've seen is it's not necessarily specific to a, a, a specific industry. It, it, it still yes. feels to us yeah. like it's just whichever company had the most forward thinking L&D department because we've got giant retail companies that are five years in and we have giant retail yeah. companies who just started training the exact same workforce. You know, and we see couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's really interesting. And it's also it's encouraging to me because you have some of these leading companies, biggest companies in the world who are, who are deep into it, who have proven it. And it's like we're early, right? Like there's still so many yeah. companies in those same spaces that should come behind them and continue to grow. Um, and I think what we've seen, too, in the last 12 months, six months, three months, <clears throat> just, I mean, an increase in signups and increase in conversion and um you know, we like to think part of that's because we're doing a better job as a company, but I think a big part of it's just the industry is growing more companies from around the world, different industries. Yeah. Um, and I was going to, I don't know if you know this number I, I got in my, in my notes here, we have almost a thousand organizations, uh, on Arbor that are using Pico, which is, that's a, I mean, that's a big number. Um, that is a big number. Absolutely. I think that that's really exciting to hear. And I think, um, it, it speaks to like our, our really strong collaboration over the last, you know, several years. Um, 
I think it's one of those things where we know in the enterprise, um, you know, serious enterprise deployments um, are better with Pico and serious enterprise deployments are better with Arbor. I think and just putting those two things together and our relationship together um, has, has only proved that. So. Yeah. And last thing I'll say, I think I know Will has a question. So I want to think, I think the other thing that's really encouraging that we're seeing across the board, and I'm sure you're seeing this as well, is every one of those, every one of the accounts on our platform, they're adding headsets. Like, I mean, they're all growing. Yeah. So I think that's the right. other thing. It's like, we're, er, we're early, we're seeing in, all industries starting to get into XR at different levels. And then everyone that once they get in, there is exponential growth. So it right. feels like the future is very, very bright. Sorry, Will, I know you have a question. No, I was actually going to kind of segue on what you just shared, Brad. I think we're seeing a number of organizations that have done successful pilots, and they're now asking the questions about, okay, as we go to scale, you know, big Fortune 500 companies that have been in pilot stage for a few years, they're looking to scale, and they're asking questions about what hardware should we use, what, right. you know, what management software should we use. So something I wanted to pick your brain on, you know, we oftentimes see companies early on, they buy whatever headset off the shelf, which, you know, if it was in the last five years, likely they went to Best Buy and bought, you know, a Quest headset. Um, now they're thinking about scale and they're asking different questions. One of the things, you know, across that thousand organization spectrum, one of the things we hear regularly is this concern around being in a closed ecosystem. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of companies want to feel like that there's more, that they're in an open ecosystem, that they have more options. Talk a little bit about that. And, and how did Pico sort of land on the other side of that? If Pico's far end, or sorry, Meta's on the far end of closed ecosystem, how have you guys landed on being more open and what does that look like for an enterprise customer? Well, and with one comment, one comment, just yeah, with, I mean, I think what we see, we all see it, like there's such a temptation to go closed ecosystem, totally. right? It's like, it's like Everybody that's what the investors want, everyone wants to go closed. So like, just add, you know, as you answer the question through that lens as well, avoiding that yeah, temptation. No, that, that's a good point. And, and to your point, Will, like, Absolutely. I think most companies wouldn't mind being Apple, right? I mean, you look at their growth, their <laughs> success, you look at their balance sheet. I think, I don't think anybody would walk away from an opportunity to be Apple. And, you know, I, I think some of these things certainly predate me, right? As far as Pico's culture, their approach to um, being an open ecosystem. I, I think it can also relate to um, the company itself, just, you know, seeing how, Trying to do things alone is is often the most challenging way of going forward, especially in an industry where it's constantly about innovation, early adopters, carving out new paths, proving new solutions. Um, you know, you look at healthcare, and I, I mean, I like to you know remind people of this: we're we are not healthcare experts at, at Pico, right? <laughs> but we work with some amazing healthcare professionals and healthcare experts, right? Whether it's in higher education at some of the biggest universities in the world, major hospital systems, uh, you know, developers out there, you know, like XR Health of the World, Applied VR, all these different, you know, uh, amazing, um, you know, healthcare developers. Yeah. And in the classroom, you know, the same thing. So I think to your point, um, you know, we've seen that we typically are able to um, really just provide the best solutions when we go at it with partners. I think our partners look at it and say, and sometimes they look at it too and scratch their head and say, wow, like, you know, Pico is not trying to do this themselves. Like they're recommending Arbor, they're recommending, you know, uh, this developer, that developer, and, and, and they're just bringing everyone together, I think is, uh, is oftentimes a great, um, great approach. And, and 
the the end users appreciate that more as well versus us coming to the table and saying we've got everything for you we'll build the software we'll provide the content management the hardware management all that sort of stuff um it's it's i think going at it in a collaborative way i think sometimes um creates just more self, sense of like trust and assurance you know that mm-hmm. we're just we're not bringing them into a room locking the door saying we've got everything you need here it's like no Let's have an open discussion. Let's bring everyone to the table. Let, let's identify really what, what is needed here and how we can all work together to solve that. Um, but you're right. I mean, a lot of other companies take this closed off approach. And I don't know if that's out of fear of losing the customer, sharing the customer with, with other people. Um, you know, that, that's just, that's not on our mind. Our mind is, our, we're always looking at if Arbor can become the biggest, most successful you know, a uh, company at what they do, that's good for us. You know, if Prisms or XR Health or all these different companies that we work with, developers that we work with, you know, if Striver, if Roundtable, if Pixo, these companies can become the biggest, most successful developers in VR in the world, that's good for us too. So we're, we're, we're not trying to replace them. We want to support their growth and we want to be a part of it. We want to be along for the ride. Well, I love that. I, I think we we felt that working with your team and you know when we talk to enterprise customers i think everyone wants to feel like they have control of the, over their own future and yeah you know if you go out and buy laptops for your employees you want to be able to install what apps you you want to on those and you want to be able to manage those laptops however you want to manage them right and the last thing you want is for somebody to pull support for your laptop you know a year down the road and now you have bricked laptops and so i think I think there is sort of a, a desire for the flexibility and control and just future stability that comes with, you know, a more open ecosystem. And I'll just say this, like, if you want to take the Apple route, you've got to full on go the Apple route and take it to 100%. Exactly. And not, not everybody can do that. Well, actually, nobody can do that. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, like no, everyone I wants to that. do that. There's one company yeah. in the history of the world who has done it. One. <laughs> you, you can't straddle the fence there. Exactly. Either you're going to go full closed off ecosystem and we'll deliver every solution yeah. you want now or could ever need in the future. Or, you know, you, you better build a, a healthy, you know, uh, ecosystem of partners to, to go deliver the same solutions. And, and that's that's the approach we've always taken. And I feel like, you know, are we doing everything perfectly? Like, no, I don't. I don't think we are. But I think one of the most important things that we do here, and, and I consistently see the other companies are not doing in, in the hardware space, is they're not actually just ask, talking to the customers and developers and listening yeah. and saying, what isn't working? Great point. Why, why isn't it working and how can we fix that? Um, I, I just, I don't see that happening elsewhere. And, and I know that because the end users and the developers will consistently say, wow, it's really nice. Like it's refreshing to to have somebody ask us what's not working and work with us on a solution versus saying, here's the package solution that, that, you know, we're pretty sure will work for you. Here's the self-help link, you know, go read through that and go, you know, find the answer yourself. Here's our, you know, generic support inbox, just, you know, lob a blind email into this inbox and someone will get back to you in 72 hours. Like that's not how we operate. You know, people, developers, partners, and users in North America, they know the team at Pico. They know our faces. They know our cell phone numbers. They know our email addresses, mm. you know, because they talk to us consistently. And I think that that's that's a major differentiator for us. Well, it's, it's very refreshing. And I think, I mean, you know, having been in XR just in tech for seven years now, it's still, 
several things that are shocking to me. One, the, the number of people or companies who still think they can do everything. But yeah. two, the number of companies who don't talk to the customer. It honestly is mind-boggling to me. You, you see yeah. you know, offerings or solutions brought to market, and you're just thinking, they haven't asked a single person. There's no way anybody right. either wants that or wants to pay that or can pay that. It's just shocking right. sometimes to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's very refreshing, the approach that you're taking. But it, I think it's also, I mean, the XR industry is evolving so rapidly, right? Like just even from a content perspective. I mean, we've got yeah. major cu customers who have gone from outsourced to um, acquiring content studios to a mix to authoring tools and, and try for anyone at th this early in the game, I think, to come in and say, we're, we're going to be the one-stop shop. It just, it feels, I just don't know if it's possible. Uh, there's just, there's just so many varying yeah. needs that are evolving rapidly. Totally agreed. It, it's such a fast evolving industry. And, you know, even talking about something that happened or something we heard or said or deployed six months ago, it feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, even just thinking back to, uh, you know, CES, this year, right? That that was this year, but it feels like it was about 10 years ago, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, just this industry and things that are changing, evolving, and demands and solutions uh, that, that are out in the marketplace. Um, you got to listen. You got to be nimble. Well, let's talk about that. What are some of the lessons you're learning as you're talking to customers on the ground? What are you hearing in terms of major pain points, friction points that still exist, and how are you trying to solve them? Yeah, that, that's great. So, I mean, I'd say there's, there's, you know, I think the questions, the pain points, those also continue to evolve, right? Because I think two or three years ago, the pain points that maybe we were seeing in the marketplace were, you know, what can VR do for me? Like, why would I want to invest in VR or AR or any type of XR solution? Um, and, you know, maybe it's getting a handful of headsets, then all of a sudden realizing, okay, if I want to go from five to 500, like, what does that take? Um, we're starting to see, I think the marketplace has certainly evolved in this understanding of, of the solutions available, um, the different types of content that, that could be out there for them. Um, so I'd say now it's really, you know, and, and I hate to use just this kind of uh, a cliche term, but it's very much, you know, scalability right now. Right. And, and you were talking about this earlier, Brad, it's like, you know, how, that's a lot of those POCs, those big POCs are, you know, have run their course and companies have bought in and they're investing. And now they're looking at scalability. Um, you know, they're certainly looking at availability, right? You know, if I want 10,000 headsets, how quickly can I get those? Um, you know, and I think uh, it's also really we're at that point now where companies are saying, what else can I do with the headset? Which is a great thing for all of us, right? When they, when they acquired those headsets, in the hundreds or in the thousands to provide a training solution for their employees or to provide, um, <clears throat> you know, a, a wellness solution for, um, you know, patients. Um, now they're thinking, well, we've got these headsets in place. We've got, you know, our, our content management, hardware management in place. What else can we do with these, with, with this portal, with this solution, with this technology? And that's exciting because now yeah. we're starting to think, how can we start to turn the headset almost into a, like a MacBook or a Windows, you know, computer, you know, how can we provide a solution where they can do more than one thing, right? Where they can start to use it maybe multiple times a day, maybe multiple hours a day, um, you know, whether it's in the classroom or at home or in the office. So that's, I think, where we're starting to get to that point is how do we now connect the dots between these different 
amazing solutions that are on the marketplace, these training solutions on one side, these mental health and wellness or physical fitness yeah. uh, or gaming or social um, you know, applications that are on the other side. How do we connect the dots and start to really bring those things together? So, you know, I, I know we always say this, like we're, we're still very early in this industry and we are, right? We've come a long way mm -hmm. in five, six, seven, eight years, right? Um, but we're still so early in this space. And we're, we're still now trying to figure out how do we bring these different types of applications together into like a, a, a solution that people can can use and benefit from, uh, you know, uh, on a more regular basis than just a one app, you know, one app uh, uh, launch point. So, yeah, I love that. And it's like <clears throat> it is this weird of like we're early, but at the same time, to your point, I mean, I think moving past the question of either how do I use XR or will XR work, which I think right. we passed that maybe twelve months ago, eighteen months ago, maybe twelve months yeah. ago, in broadly speaking. Like that's a huge step because now we can start to all think about, to your point, okay, we, now we know it works. Okay. Awesome. So like, what are the, how, how, what are all the ways we can use it? How do we use it multiple times a day? How do we get more use out of the device? What other types of content? And you know, that, that to me is just a huge inflection point for the industry. But then you do look at the numbers out there and you think, wow, there's so much growth potential, so much growth potential, yeah. which is equally exciting. So it's like we've gotten far enough. And I don't know, you know, when you meet, reach critical mass or tipping point or whatever, but it feels like we're getting somewhat close to that, at least in some ways. But yet there's just still so much, so much ahead. Um, so, OK, I've got then maybe we'll, we'll head towards a wrap here. I've got two kind of forward looking questions for you. One is. Sure your perspective as a uh, representative of Pico, and then one is your perspective as a mere, a person, a man. Um, <laughs> so on the business side, just curious, like your take on, does, do we go one-to-one -one in enterprise or in education at some point? And when, like, how far out is that? That's a great point. So, so early on in my career, I, I remember working for a small startup and I remember the, founder of the startup telling me stories of the days when they first started to deploy PCs into organizations. And he would tell me about how they would literally have a computer. And now this is predates me. I'm definitely not this old, but they would put computers on carts and roll them around the office. And if somebody needed to type something, they would go grab the computer and roll it to their desk and, you know, whatever, work on their, you know, uh, Word documents, whatever that may be. And then they'd roll it back and people would share computers right across the offices across different floors and now that sounds ridiculous we all have a you know a, a macbook a windows pc whatever that is on our desk maybe also a smartphone and a tablet and a vr headset you know nearby and i think we're we're we're, we're still kind of at that point where companies are sharing maybe 50 headsets among a thousand mm -hmm. employees or they're sharing five thousand headsets among a hundred thousand employees mm -hmm. but i think we're getting to that point we're, we're working our way we're chipping away in that direction of a one-to-one -one ratio where everyone will have a headset. And I think that comes from a lot of different angles, right? It comes from the content continuing to evolve. It comes from the hardware and the tech continuing to get lighter and smaller and, you know, more um, easily, you know, just carried around. And then it comes from just the systems and the backend and IT part of it and everything being connected and managed in one like uh, consistent ecosystem. So we're, we're certainly... We're, we're, we're headed there, right? We're definitely headed there. We don't have, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're past the point of maybe, you know, 
a hundred people sharing a headset. Um, but we're certainly not at the one-to-one point yet as well. Uh, but I, I'm really confident in the direction that we're heading there. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. I mean, I almost don't even let my mind go to that because those numbers get so big, you know, it's yeah. like, okay, if we're yeah. in like a, a 20 to one or 10 to one, you know, user to headset ratio, those numbers aren't small. Like that, that's exciting, no, you know? No. Um, but it is interesting to think about a world where it's a one-to-one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there, like you said, there's plenty of examples, uh, whether it's, I guess not cell phones, but yeah, with PCs and schools, right? We all grew up going to the computer lab, right? You didn't have your own. Exactly. And it was you exactly. know, 20, 20 PCs, everybody shared uh, in the grid. Yeah. So, um, okay. On, and on just curious, I, we, we never even really talked about this, but just your own interest in VR. I mean, like, what are you personally independent? I mean, it could be enterprise, yeah. but like, what, what about VR, XR gets you excited? Yeah, so I'll be honest with you. It's actually always been the enterprise use cases of yeah. of VR that's excited me. I I didn't necessarily start as like a VR gamer. It just mm-hmm. wasn't, you know. I certainly played plenty of you know Nintendo and Xbox and all those things growing up, but VR gaming never really clicked for me, you know, kind of growing up. Um, but as soon as I started to really hear about um, how industries were using VR to like solve amazing problems, like training doctors, you know, training pilots, you know, in the classroom, helping students walk inside of a molecule or, or, you know, do math equations, um, in an immersive experience or museums using VR to all of a sudden teleport people back in time, that kind of stuff to me, like that always gets me excited. It always blows my mind. I'm, I'm never not amazed um, by the the latest and greatest like ways that organizations are using VR um, to solve problems. So, so that to me is like what every day, every week excites me and gets me fired up for what we're doing. And again, whether it's for children, it's for seniors, it's mm-hmm. in the corporate space, it's it's uh, in, in a you know a family entertainment center, whatever that is, like that kind of stuff really really just excites me. It's fun to be a part of it, you know, uh, from, from the hardware side. And it's really just fun to see the evolution of all the amazing developers and content creators and, and like visionaries that are that are in our space. It's, it's really, really cool to be a part of this and, and to be in this industry from a personal level, just just selfishly from a personal level. It's it, it's a really fun industry to be in. Well said. I couldn't agree more. So I have to ask Nintendo or Xbox, what's a what's a top 10 game for you? Oh, geez. Great question. I've always been like more of a sports guy. So I definitely I've been playing Madden since I think it was was it Madden 94, the first one that came out. I was going to say that. I I have it on Super Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I I remember playing Madden 94. I've been I've loved those games ever since. Um, You know, always loved the the throwbacks like Mario and, you know, Punch Out. And, you know, I, I love to jump on the the old school Nintendo and play some of those, uh, the, those kind of older games as well. So, um, kind of, kind of a range. I like to, you know, have a good kind of eclectic mix of, uh, of, of games like that. So, okay. So this last week, uh, I went to storage. One of my daughter's friend's dad is a, a YouTuber who like goes and finds old games. And so I got kind of excited about my old games. So I went to storage and I have all my old stuff and I pulled out the Super Nintendo. I was I was actually looking yep. at some lists of like what are the top games of all time, and I didn't realize that Super Mario World is considered one of the best games. I, remember, I used to love that game. Yeah. So I got that out. Love I had to it. buy an adapter to hook it into my TV, you know, to go to HDMI. And for the last <laughs> week or two, my kids like they're loving it, and it's really yeah. hilarious to watch them play because 
we don't really game that much at our house just for whatever reason. But like my six-year-old daughter, it's, I mean, she creeps through the level. Like it's just, it, right. it, it'll take her the full, you know, or, and it's just, it's hilarious to watch them. Where, where the clock starts to speed up and you really start. To yeah. Right. And she's out. just like, like I, I got to finish the level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's been really fun to, to play. It, it's been fun for me to play again. I was like, man, such, that is such a fun game, but to play it with your kids yeah. and, and for them to just play for hours and they'll die in two seconds sometimes. And they just, they're like, think yeah. it's hilarious. So, oh man, that's fun. Yeah. That's fine. So well, all, 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 good, all good games, all good memories. But I will say, just in closing, I, I agree with you. Like, I'm, I would say for me personally, too, it is the, inter, it, you know, back to the enterprise being such a catch-all. Like, that use case, it is really exciting. It's, a, it's exciting to see astronauts being trained, financial advisors yeah. being trained, uh, frontline workers in retail, students, doctors. Uh, uh, what, what, what the, we were talking to one healthcare one, Will, the phantom pain being reduced, you know, it's just, yep. it's unbelievable. And, and it does feel like you can just go on and on and on. And then you get in, you know, training nurses or you get into some of the AR use cases and like, it's, it's really, really exciting. And I, I agree. Gaming is fun, um, occasionally for me, but I think it does just feel really, it's like we're being, we're, we're a part of something really powerful that's really changing lives in yeah. a lot of, in a lot of really meaningful ways. Um, so I agree. I think it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, this has been great, Amir. I know you're busy and I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Um, and maybe we'll do it again. Maybe we'll do it regularly every once in a while get your, get your uh, most recent take on things, but this has been great. Uh, if, if people want to find you or follow you is what LinkedIn or what, what's the best place to find you? Yeah, it's a LinkedIn is the best place to find me. Um, I, I should be pretty, uh, easily found on there. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this has been great. I really appreciate it. You know, uh, you know, we, we cross paths all throughout the year, right? We're at yeah. events together, we're at conferences, we're at workshops together, you know, we're, we're on many calls throughout the year. Uh, but it's nice to just step away from that uh, kind of approach and just talk about, you know, the industry, the trends, um, all those sorts of things. So I, I certainly appreciate it. Um, you know, glad to be here and, you know, would absolutely love to uh, jump on anytime again in the future. Awesome. Appreciate it, Amir. Talk soon. Thanks, gentlemen. Take care. Man, that was a great interview. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing uh, Amir's perspective on things, and it'll be exciting to see where Pico continues to, to go over the next few years. Uh, well, as always, we appreciate you spending a little time with us. Uh, make sure you check us out wherever you listen to podcasts, and we will catch you next time.